Thank you for sticking with the Mutual Audio Network, where imagination and relaxation blend. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. This podcast is a serial narrative, a story told episode by episode. Consequently, your listening journey would best be begun at the beginning. That's Kava Cranebottom Bone Detective, Episode 1. It is the year 2016, and life has lost all meaning. What once was up is down. What once was right is wrong. And those who dare to make a podcast which subversively reanimates the dead art of radio theater are considered dangerous criminal outcasts. Driven into exile, four pungent brigands risk their lives each week to broadcast from a South Seas barge, crudely fashioned from the disintegrating corpse of an ancient titan and several thousand yards of cooking twine to bring you the triumph, the majesty, the sublimity of rude Alchemy. Previously on Carver Cranebottom, Bone Detective. How could this have happened so quickly? We were only just with the man. Please comfort me, you wonderful man. Tell me how you'll protect me from the evils of this world. It looks to be a door of some kind. This must be the entrance to the tunnels he was speaking of. Dear God, what is happening? Dear God, we're all gonna die! I wanna live! There's so much I wanna see! I've never been with a man! Get yourself together, Bass. For the love of God, you're a man of the law. Sight to the air! Demons roam freely on the earth! The air is our only saviour! Basil is the one to save the day! But these ruins speak of a group of early man known as Pistrocrasites pilots. This group of early man claimed they could commune with the old ones and even control them. Is it? It is Nan! Carver? Carver's not here. Alrighty, now uh, add two sticks of softened butter to three cups of granulated sugar, and a dash of vanilla extract, and beat until combined and fluffy. Perfect. Now I'll just add my own special ingredient. Just a drop will do it. Well, on second thought, let's make it eight drops. Beautiful. This is just what that old fuddy-duddy needs. When you can't beat them, force your will upon them by all means necessary. Narrator, may I speak with you for a moment? Be right there. Alright, let's let this chill for an hour or so. Oh, Mentor! How may I help you? Here, take these. All the classical narration textbooks for first-year students. It seems you need a little refreshing on the fundamentals of narration. Please, Mentor, I, I, I really haven't the time for this. I need to prep for the show. Prep? I thought you'd just come up with all your hilarious comments right on the spot. Surely there is no need for preparation when you've reduced this once great profession to simply coming up with the next funny thing to say. You just don't get it, do you? No, I get it. I get it all too well. Tradition means nothing to you. So if you aren't going to read those books, you might as well just set them down right there and take a long, steamy piss on them. If I wasn't ashamed of the size of my penis, I'd do just that. Now please, leave me in peace. Fine. But I'm not done with you yet. Fine. Is everything okay? Yes, 
I'm sorry. It's just a little distracted today. It's all right. Do you want to talk about it? I'd like that. I'd like that. I really, I really would announce it. Sounds like a plan. Now let's get this show in the can. Aye, aye, Captain. Kava Cranebottom Bone Detective is brought to you by Charles T. Pemberbroke's Pain Relieving Hammer. Simply hit yourself in the face with Charles T. Pemberbroke's Pain Relieving Hammer and drift away into the bliss of pain-free oblivion. But hey, don't be selfish. Be sure to take as many of your family members, friends, and co-workers with you into that unending void of nothingness as you can. Take them all with you. Take away all their pain. Hammer away their pain. Excuse me. Hey, I didn't even set the scene yet. What the f*** are you talking about, man? Carver's trying to f***ing kill me with a f***ing knife. Stay back. Back. I'm not f***ing setting the scene. Yeah, I know, but you could at least let me... Now, now, narrator. This is one of those times where it's better to let the characters tell the story through their words. Sometimes it's better to just be silent. Remember, we're there to support them. What? Yes. Our function is to support the action of the characters by... No, 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 no. Tickle, tickle, tickle. <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> I can't be hearing this right. From you, mentor, you, the greatest narrator of all time? You would cede your power, your influence, your majesty to these disembodied voices? These attention-hungry whores? These, these, these cattle? Quiet down, Basil. We're having an important discussion. Yes, that is our role since the beginning of podcasting some 4,000 years ago. That has been our role, our responsibility. It is one I bear with pride to please those same podcasting gods who breathe life into this, the greatest of all narrative fiction forms, the audio drama podcast. It is great because of narrators, because of us. Because of me! No! 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 Blasphemy! Hubris! Forgive him, podcasting fathers! He knows not what he says! Hey! 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 Can you at least narrate a way out of this for me? I'm running out of things to scream! Yeah, and and my voice is getting really tired from growling. Oh, shit, I think I left my honey lemon water at home, too. Ugh, fine! Basil backed away from his maniacal friend, his hands grasping frantically behind him as Carver raised a sickening knife high above his head. Tickle, tickle, tickle. 
Just then, Basil's hands found purchase on the Deacon ceramic teapot. Basil grasped the vessel and hurled it at Carver's temple, and the bloodthirsty bone detective crumbled to the floor as Basil fled into the night. Okay? Happy? Yep, we're good. Mentor, uh, a word? No one, and I mean no one, puts their hands on me. Why, if you think- Heed me, Icarus. You're flying too close to the sun. What? What does that mean? Where are you going? Hey, where? Uh, so, what am I doing? What? A hit in the head with the teapot, I got that much. Am I knocked out? Just stunned? Uh, did I chase after Baz? You know what? I don't know. Why don't you choose? Choose? Um, I... Hmm. That's what I thought. Now, everyone, just get off my back, okay? Sorry. I'm sorry, too. There he is. There's that little fucker. Get him, Carve. Get him. Ah. Good boy. Go, ah. go, get him. <laughs> Fucking sheep. <clears throat> anyway, Carver sprinted into the direction of Basil's voice, but the lovable little twerp was nowhere to be found. Carver gave a scream of rage, turned abruptly, and slapped his head again, this time on a protruding tree branch. Some time later, Carver came to, and, looking down at the blood-caked blade clutched in his hand, he came back to himself. What have I done? I must head to London. I only pray it's not too late. As Carver journeyed by foot, he passed more and more evidence of the Sky Preacher's influence. Every hamlet through which Carver passed, he witnessed increasingly bizarre attempts to leave behind this new earth-made hell by the sky preacher's acolytes. There was a man laying prostrate on the ground, his every limb bound by the ends of dozens of pieces of rope, the other ends tied to the feet of caged falcon, who, when released, flooded first upward, then turned abruptly and tore the man to shreds with their razor-like beaks. A homemade cannon, pieced together from a tin chimney, successfully launched a helmeted man's legs high into the cloud. However, the rest of him remained surface-bound indefinitely. With sudden ferocity, another earthquake rippled through the countryside, upending Carver and several nearby buildings. Screams from the townsfolk echoed through the air. The earth is dying! No time for further delay! We must leave now! With that, peasant after peasant frantically flung themselves into the air, off rooftops, off tree branches, off cliffs, sometimes with a crude flying apparatus, sometimes without their desperation overcoming all reason. Shh, sheep. After about an hour and three quarters into his journey, Carver realized that he vastly underestimated just how far away London really was. The trekking proved arduous for Carver, despite his stunning physique, athletic prowess, and broad, strong back. The custom-ordered Estonian boarskin shoes upon his feet began opening at their seams. His Nigerian ascot would no longer hold its impeccable form, and his inner thighs were simply red with friction burns that stung with every step. Carver daydreamed of a cooling lubricant he could slather liberally between his legs and just beneath his scrotum. Gah! What was I thinking? London is so f- 
fucking far away in these damn cobbled roads. Really? Really? Cobblestones? Idyllic English countryside? Fuck me! Ah! Ah! Oh, it stinks so bad. What I would do for a tin of Chapin's chafing cream, or or maybe Timothy's therapeutic thigh balm. I'm not particular. Is that too much to ask? Ah! 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 I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. Ah! A daydreaming Carver Crane stepped directly into a muddy pothole. Carver angrily kicked into thin air, immediately screamed from the pain it caused to his thighs, and then lost his footing on the uneven, slippery cobbles and fell directly onto his posterior, which hurt even more than it normally would because he landed on, you guessed it, cobbles. I give up. I can't do it. Solving mysteries, ancient bones, battling bloodthirsty demons. Where has it got me? I'll tell you where. Sitting on the side of the road, covered in dirty, wet, cold, soothing, therapeutic mud. How could I be so ignorant? Upon his discovery of brown gold, Carver quickly unbuttoned his braces, removed his trousers and underpants, and began smearing the cool mud betwixt his thighs. You know... Dear listeners, I could go into more detail here, but I've decided to avert my gaze. I'd rather keep it a mystery, you know. Once the cat is out of the bag, the excitement just, uh, just isn't there anymore. I mean, what if it isn't he... Well, you know, I... I mean, yeah, he'd seem more down-to-earth, maybe a... Maybe a bit more accessible to the average Joe, but, uh... I just don't know. So good. Carver sat beside the pothole, thighs slathered and cooled, and simply took a moment for himself. To be honest, he was in quite a state, half-naked, covered in mud, hair askew and somewhat smelly. But there is one thing that will never fail our Carver, one rabbit he'll always have to pull out of his designer top hat, whether he means to or not, his undeniably rugged good looks. Trotting down the road were two black stallions pulling an exotic carriage accented with bits of jade and whalebone and lots and lots of feathers. It halted beside Carver. The door opened, and four kindly men peered out at him. Everything all right, fella? Oh, he doesn't look so good. Stop chattering, you two. Can't you see this man needs our help? Where are you headed? Um, London? So are we! Get your behind in here right now, mister. You need some rest. We'll give you the ride. Bless you, gentlemen. Bless you. Lance, Bruce, Kyle, and Rodney helped Carver into the carriage, where he fell quickly asleep amidst their velvet pillows and comforting songs. Carver's dreams were feverish and full of disturbing images of demons and the tickler's grin. But it was the image of finishing off his dear friend Basil which startled him awake. He found himself on a bench in Trafalgar Square. Upon examining himself, he he realized his clothing and shoes had been expertly cleaned and repaired. The mud washed from his body, his ascot freshly pressed in form, his hair styled and smelling of lavender, and a soothing salve had been applied to his thighs and scrotum. Carver couldn't help but feel gratitude toward those kind men, 
who gave him a lift and treated him so thoroughly. He began thinking a bit more in depth about this, but quickly decided it'd be best to leave it alone. He was startled yet again by a shouting man and a roaring crowd. Do you see it? Do you see it, brothers and sisters? The skies are opening up. Opening up for you, and you, and you, and all of us. Oh, I am but a simple man with only the clothes on my back. No words of mine can describe what awaits all of us up in the heavens. But listen carefully. Quiet now, quiet. If you can only take one thing away from my sermon, it is this. The heavens, the sweet hereafter providence, it is ours for the taking. Oh, for Newton's sake. Do you want it? Yes! Then take it. Climb, brothers and sisters, climb to the tops of the houses, the peaks of the mountains, the spires of cathedrals, and take what is yours. The skies, the skies are speaking to me. The ancient language is upon my This lunatic is going to get people killed. With an overwhelming sense of disdain, Carver found a quiet corner of the square to once again try and decipher Lilith Fontenoy's tea-stained letter. Ah, there must be something here. Come on, old chap, you could reassemble the skeleton of a prehistoric gnat. If they had skeletons, how could a little tea stain get in your way? Oh, I must focus. My nipple! Get a hold of yourself, man. I can fly. I can fly, but my nipples can't. I can't go to the skies without my nipples. Tell me what to do. Drink a glass of water, eat a full meal, read Origin of the Species, and snap the f*** out of it. Wow! My nipple! Carver returned his attention to the letter, but was soon interrupted again by a sky acolyte high atop a building. Hey, um... Hey, you... Bleeding hell. Hey, hey, you with the escort. What? What is it? What do you want? What floor am I on? Bugger off. I have work to do. Work that is integral to the here and now. I haven't the time for your spirit of the sky, Hocus Pocus. (laughs) You wouldn't f***ing dare. What floor... Am I on? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seventh. You're on the seventh floor. Thanks. Do you think that's high enough? High enough for what? Oh, for the love of Pythagoras. You're going to jump, aren't you? You're going to try and fly up into the sky. What? This is utter nonsense. That preacher is lying to all of you. He's a well-spoken schizophrenic who is going to get you killed. Enough is enough. High enough? Yeah, I thought so too. What? No. Come down here. You have everything to live for. In this age of logic and reason, the sky is no longer the limit. Jumping Jehoshaphat, what else can I say? Okay. The believer then made a quick gesture of hand and flung himself from the ledge. 
he plummeted to the ground, landing on a storm grate directly beside Kaaba. Needless to say, the man was, for lack of a better word, cheesed to death. My nipple! My nipple! Goodness, what happened to Jehoshaphat? Oh, I can't take it. Oh, this has to end. I must silence him for everyone's sake. Maybe I'll give him a little tickle across his holy throat. Carver unsheathed the tickler's grin and marched towards the sky preacher, pushing and shoving the minions aside. Goodness, sir. Uh, you know, this entire season has taken a bit of an anti-theist tone, don't you think? I, I mean, I, I, I won't come right out and call Carver an anti-theist or even an atheist. I, 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 and I know the sky preacher is complete hyperbole, but there has been a rather palpable disdain for, let us say, organized belief. Don't bring it up. What? There are many different beliefs amongst the team here. I just don't want our listeners to get the wrong idea that we're all self-appointed members of the Ubermensch. Drop it. I'm not ashamed of my religious beliefs, which align completely with the tenets of Christian... Mm -mm. I know, I know. I'm just... I'm so conflicted. I have a Pepsi. Mmm, delicious and refreshing. What were we talking about? Oh, right! Carver was three-fourths of the way into the crowd when a not-quite-massive hot-air balloon emerged from between two skyscrapers. The mass of trapped hot air slowly moved toward the sky preacher, who was still engaged in speaking in tongues. Brothers and sisters, I have just been given a divine message from on high. We are in air. We shouldn't be climbing buildings, making paper wings, or giant people catapults. No, 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 no. Look there, my brethren. A gift from the sky. A vessel to take us safely to the other side. Expertly constructed by the good wholesome folks at Tuscan Talon. Made from the finest German-engineered microfabric with a basket which can comfortably hold five believers with elbow room to spare. The balloon passed by the preacher, and he triumphantly entered the basket and gave the burner a strong thrust which lifted the balloon higher into the sky. And behold, a collapsible dinette table for tea time. Leaflets began spilling from the balloon and showered the onlookers below. Carver snatched one out of the air. Enjoy 10% off the entire price with a 50% down payment. Hurry fast as supplies are limited and the world is ending. Tuscan Talon. Made in Britain by Britain for Britons. Carver slowly crumpled the flyer. Corporate greed preying on the fears and superstitions of the masses was just too much for him. He gripped the tickler by the blade and took aim at the sky preacher's balloon. He took an extra moment for complete accuracy, as he wanted this man dead. He wound up, began his forward thrust, and then a deafening shriek stunned the entire crowd. From seemingly out of nowhere, the great demon appeared and snatched the preacher's balloon out of the sky with its immense and powerful jaws. Amidst the cries of the crowd, the growls of the deep, Carver could still hear the scream of the preacher and the crunching of his bones. This pleased Carver. It pleased him very much. Oh, great old one who came before, heed my commands. Nan? Return to me. Return to the control of the pilot line. The line of the Dunrooks. But it wasn't working. No matter how vigorously Nan gesticulated, the monster went about its path of destruction, seemingly of its own volition. Come back! Come back! Away! A filthy garbage child, panicky, but not as panicky as you might think, 
Frickin' garbage children see more shit by the time they're three than you or me in an entire lifetime combined. Sprinted too near the bellowing nan. She scooped him up by the scruff of his neck, nimbly pulled a knife from her garter, and held it to the child's throat. Oh, great old one who came before, accept this sacrifice like the many you've accepted before in the garden of the Dunbrook estate, and return to me, return to my power, return to the power of the... Lilith! Run, little one. Run far away from here. Thanks, love. Say, you're a thick one, aren't you? Ever heard of a Kensington dumpster bump before? What are you, seven? Six and a half! I told you these garbage kids grow up fast. Lilith, I... Uh... Where have you been, Crane Bottom? I sent that letter a week ago. It's not my fault. The deacon spilled tea on it. Ah, oh, yes, the curse of the British postal system. Well, never mind all that. You're here now. I've been doing some research and I found a way to stop the demon. Oh, really? And where did you do this research? A library? Did you get your husband to procure a library card for you? Ha! Actually, yes. Evening, Crane Bartom. Ackerman? You married Ackerman? Lily, dear, are we almost done here? It's date night and I'm most looking forward to... Let me guess, plowing her on a pile of poop? Oh, how did you know? (laughs) I don't know, seeing as you're a degenerate and disgusting poop artist married to a chick who's into all kinds of weird shit, I just took a wild f***ing guess. Cornelius, meet me at home. Oh, no. Shh, I'll be home soon. All right, sweetie. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah, seriously, let's go. Ugh. Until tonight, my sweetie. Here's what I discovered, Crane Bottom. You won't like it. As we both know, the traditional ritual has one from the line of executioners, yours the carvers, slaughter one from the line of sacrifices, mine the fontenoys. Yes, yes. This ritual awakens the beast and sends him on a path of destruction. However, if we reverse the sacrifice... What are you saying? If a fontenoy kills a carver? Yes, We reverse the ritual, and instead of awakening the beast, it will be put to sleep. I'm sorry, Carver, it's the only way. Look, Lily, I don't know what cookbook you got this plan from, but there is another way. There's a third line, the pilots. There are some who can actually control the demons. If we can find a way to harness that power ourselves... But didn't you see that woman trying to control the beast? It wouldn't listen. And she was from the line you're speaking of. There must be some missing element, some factor that wasn't quite right. You're equivocating, you coward. I knew you were a scoundrel and a womanizer and an arrogant bastard, but I never had you pegged for a mouse. Need I remind you that this is all your fault, you selfish prick? Selfish, am I? Arrogant, am I? A coward? A scoundrel? I'll show you a scoundrel, you bloody mess of corset pieces and trouser shreds. Tickle, tickle, tickle. Needless to say, a fight ensued. I'd like to tell you it was a mind-boggling display of pugilistic talent. I'd like to tell you that Carver engaged in an ultra-technical form of karate taught to him by his adoptive Chinese father, Zhao Bin Shima. 
I'd like to tell you that Lilith manipulated her rifle in ways that we simply could not imagine. I'd like to tell you all of these things, but truth be told, the fight was dirty as fuck. Carver, in a pure fit of rage, began screaming and charged Lilith, but lost his footing on a cobblestone and fell at her feet, toppling her over as well. The rifle skidded away, and in a moment of desperation, Lilith grabbed onto Carver's masculine head of hair and began pulling as hard as she could. She drew his face close to hers, opened her mouth, and bit down hard on Carver's nose. Carver was able to pull her off, and he gave her a strong, open-handed slap across the face. Lilith, now seeing red, drew a blade from beneath her corset and steamed toward Carver. But Carver, having the superior reach with both arm and leg, straight up kicked her square in the before she was in striking distance. Even with the absence of testicles, a crotch kick is incredibly debilitating. Lilith fell to her knees, and Carver spun around her with a flourish, unsheathing the tickler's grin and held it stiffly to her throat. I'm going to enjoy this. Carver! Not now, Baz. This is between her and me. Put the tickler down, Carver. What are you going to do about it? Wet yourself? You were my hero, Carver, but not anymore. I will not admire a murderer. I've never murdered anyone. Carver lifted the tickler from Lilith's neck and pointed it at Basil. How dare you? I'm no animal. I just... I just need my medicine. That's just it, Carver. Your elixir isn't what you think it is. What are you talking about? Carver inches closer to Basil, still brandishing the blade. I stole your medicine, Carver, and sent it to Rhoda. Who? You know, Rhoda, my god. Never mind! The point is, she tested it, and it is not a tranquilizer at all, but a memory eraser. It's you, Carver. It's been you all along. You are the killer, but you have no memory of it. Parson Partridge, Jonathan Bacon, Deacon Dove. Villainous lies. You'll pay for this, Baz, dear friend. What's happened to you, Carver? Look at yourself. When did you give yourself wholly over to violence? You were a lover, Carver, don't you remember? A lover of knowledge, of sport, of women, of late-night debates spurred on by a nip of port and a bowl of Turkish blend. I can see you now in my mind's eye all those years ago in the orphanage in the classroom, challenging teachers, inspiring us all to never allow our fears to dictate our future. I can also see you fighting off the Ironton brothers single-handedly after you discovered them beating a scrawny, shy, and terrified boy. You saved me, Carver, all those years ago from my bullies and from my own insecurities. No, Carver, this isn't the end for you. You are no beast, no creature. You aren't a prepackaged product of your bloodline. You are a man with a good heart and a strong will, and you can overcome this, and I will help you. There was a quiet moment of regard between the two men. Carver lowered the tickler and approached Basil, but before he could get a word out, the screams of Lilith broke the (gasps) silence, and standing behind Basil was the great demon with seemingly foul intentions. Dear God, what have I become? This must end now. Lilith... Carver thrust the tickler's grin into Lilith's hand and fell on it, driving the wicked metal teeth into his abdomen. Carver landed on the ground with a thump. He had to, Basilton. It was the only way. No, there had to be some other way. Some way that didn't involve the murder of my dearest friend and the best man I've ever known, you unthinking succubus! You small-minded harpy! You... you... Carver, half-blind with pain, struggled to raise his head and look up at his old friend. She wanted to tell him it was all right, not to worry, that this was for the best and was indeed the best he could do. 
the best anyone could do, but he hoped it was enough. Instead, he watched Basil gesticulate wildly with anger and grief as he raged, the constable's shadow mimicking every moment just behind his. But wait! It wasn't Basil's shadow. No, it was the beast. When Basil raised a fist, so too did the demon. When Basil threw his hat back in fury, so too did the demon. The great monster replicated every one of Basil's gestures. It was almost as if... Basil. Basil. What is it, Carver? I'm here. Basil, you. You're the pilot. Carver Cranebottom Bone Detective is brought to you by Charles T. Pemberbroke's Windowsill Pie Tramp Trap. Tired of your windowsill pies being nicked by rascally tramps with jolly patched garments and those adorable stick bindles? Try Charles T. Pemberbroke's Windowsill Pie Tramp Trap. Simply place the tramp trap under your pie-filled sill and watch as those lovable vagabonds are ripped to shreds by thousands of razor-sharp metal teeth. Yes! Yes! Oh, yeah! So relieved. I was really worried the whole Carver storyline was coming to an end this season. I mean, Carver utterly losing it and attempting to take his own life. <laughs> I mean, we didn't actually see him die, right? So that always opens up the possibility for another season. And come on, Basil. Constable Basil Basil the pilot. One of the few mortals capable of controlling ancient, all-powerful demons. They can't leave that storyline unexplored, right? Oh, and to be completely honest, I... It felt good to be back in the Carver universe, coming around full circle to celebrate a year in the podcast business. Uh, I know we have almost 400 likes on Facebook, but we here at Rude Alchemy don't forget our roots. We are storytellers, we are entertainers, we are comedians. It's our job to bring you, our dear listeners, a bit of happiness in your otherwise shitty lives. It's a calling. And we will all do our damnedest to serve each and every one of you every other week. Narrator, may I speak with you? Ugh. I don't have the time for another lecture, Mentor. My sincerest apologies for being such a disappointment, but I have a job to do, and I won't let anyone get in my way. Now why don't you go to the break room and have a snack? No. No, Narrator, it is... It is I who should be apologizing. I'll admit it. I have a problem. I can't let go of the old ways. They've become so ingrained in my style that I'm I'm lost without them. But you, narrator, you didn't inherit my fear, my rigidity. And for that, I envy you. Your free wheel and style, your improvisational panache, and your downright love of this game we call narrating is inspirational. You were like a son to me, narrator, and like any good father, I only wanted you to surpass my own abilities. And you have. You certainly have. I only have one thing to say to you. Can I get a hug, Papa? Oh, you... You had me going for a second. I thought you were really gonna let me have it. Of course not. You are my teacher. And like always, your timing is perfect. If you had eaten that cupcake I prepared for you in the break room before we had this discussion, we'd be in quite the situation. What cupcake? Oh, the pink one in the mini-fridge? That was delicious. Sorry, were you saving that for later? Oh dear God, no! What are you talk? What are you talk? Uh, where's the burger? Uh, hold it! Jeez, stop it! Uh, 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 uh,
of Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and whoever this guy is. You have the right to remain silent. Get your Anything you say or do dude. can and will be used Listen, against you in a court of law. Going to jail. You have the right to an attorney. No. Hey, you cannot no, afford I, an attorney, I, one will be appointed I for you. Breathe. Do you understand these breathe. rights as they have been read? Rude alchemy is Mr. Thomas Hodgkin, Mr. Andrew Kane, Mr. Andy Werner, and Mr. Ryan Whalen. Carver Crane Bottom Bone Detective Story by Rude Alchemy with Mr. Kane as lead story editor. This episode written by Mr. Wertner and Mr. Whalen and edited by Mr. Wertner. Featuring the voices of Rude Alchemy with Miss Julia Kane as Lilith. Music composed by Mr. Benjamin J. Robb. For a listing of Creative Commons sound effects attributions, visit rudealchemy.com slash attributions. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. To support Rude Alchemy and gain access to exclusive bonus content, including blooper reels from every season, visit rudealchemy.com slash support. And finally, hey, Mr. Pemberbroke! Mr. Pemberbroke, I made it! I'm here! I lost the weight! I'm a trim, healthy 66 pounds and 10 ounces. I'm absolutely swimming in this bathing suit. Get it? (laughs) Mr. Pemberbrook, where are you? This is where his last letter said to meet. I don't... Oh, why, here's another note. Dear announcer, I commend you for your dedication to this endeavor. However, the investors are insistent that the model representing our men's recreational swimming onesie weigh absolutely no more than 66 pounds even? This means you are exactly 10 ounces too fat. 10 ounces over the limit. 10 ounces, which incidentally is the average weight of the human heart. With your current girth, you cannot participate in the photo shoot today. No! No stupid fat 10 ounce heart's gonna stop me! I'm coming, Mr. Pepperbroke! I'm coming! Yeah! 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 No! Ah! Ah, stupid ribs! Ah! You can listen to classical and brand new audio dramas through the Mutual Audio Network. Subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or iHeartRadio today. There's eight different podcasts, one for each day of the week and genre and the Mutual Audio Network broadcast feed so you don't miss a day of your favorite shows. Subscribe to Mutual Audio tonight. Good night!